Welcome to the Deep Bible Studies podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I'm your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we will go into John 6, 60-71. The Words of Eternal Life When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? So many theologians believe that Christ would have been talking about his resurrection, his ascension, or his glorification in Daniel 7, which is the last day that he mentions quite a lot through John. Verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who were and who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So he was speaking about what I call the climax of John 6, verses 35 through 40, which say, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that have seen me and yet do not believe, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. All that the Father gives me, for I come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For it is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So why do I keep going back to this? Well, A.W. Tozer once said, the impulse to pursue God originates with God, which I noticed that as I was writing these that I actually tend to quote a lot, but we see this very quote in the same truth of Matthew 10, 19 through 23, but emphasis on verse 22, which says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what to say, for what, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through the son. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And the children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you shall be hated for my name's sake. So when he's talking about this division, he's saying, hey, that means when you follow me, there's sacrifice in that. And we see it clearly. It's actually mentioned all throughout the gospels, but this is the part that I want to focus on. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I'm going to continue on with the passage. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So why do I mention the whole passage, first of all? I don't really have this written down, but something that um, the Stand to Reason folks love their website, love their apologetics, super biblical. Um, They say never read a verse by itself. Um, That's why we do this podcast. We never want to take anything out of context. We always want to go back into the word of God and to give you all the information that is truly biblical. And so I wanted to get the ins and out of it to talk about, I mean, the reality of Christianity. The one who endures to the end will be saved. So we see that this is the work of God in the heart. A mere prayer cannot truly produce persevering, saving faith, you guys. It is God who produces genuine, God-fearing, saving faith. 
So we cannot even boast about that because the only thing that truly separates us from the unbeliever is God's grace, not our faith or our works because God himself gave us our faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are commanded to repent and believe, but what is beautiful about persevering faith is that we don't lose salvation because it was a gift initiated by God, not by our faith. So then, does this mean that we continue to sin in the name of God's love because you can't lose your salvation? No, that's the thing about persevering faith. You have fear of God. We see that in the passage. That's why we needed the context. There is so much division between these people because it's either being held accountable to people or being held accountable to God. So sinning in the name of God's love is not true faith to begin with. Let's look at what Paul says regarding of taking advantage of God's grace in Galatians 2, 17 through 21. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. That is a lot, and it's so true and beautifully crafted. True persevering faith is just that, persevering. That, along with the fruits of the Spirit, sanctification, the growing hatred of sin, along with the growing of love for the Savior and the Lord, are evidence of true persevering faith, and running the race until the end. Look at what Paul says in Hebrews 12, which I quote about a lot, but it's just, it talks about that genuine faith, which faithfully goes back to the gospel according to John. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that was set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. True faith looks foolish to the world. It brings upon obedience that looks boring and traditional, maybe even legalistic to some, to all who are around you. But to the one in Christ, it is an obedience and delight to the Savior. When the world says that the message is out of date and offensive, like in this passage, the believer holds fast and grips even harder to the truth, holding fast to the scriptures. Truth, since we are surrounded by a cloud of great witnesses, like it says in Hebrews 12, we mortify sin, like it says in Hebrews 12. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. We run the race with endurance. In Hebrews 12, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And we run because of Christ, with Christ, and towards Christ, who initiated and perfected this faith. In Hebrews 12, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, never losing sight of the gospel, which in Hebrews 12, it says, who for the joy that set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is true faith. And so, verse 66 says, 
After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Once Jesus effectively discouraged every material and earthly motive for following him, many stopped following. They were all so discouraged and perhaps confused by the controversy caused by Jesus' teaching, but the true disciples are not attracted by the physical phenomenon from those miracles and the excitement of the crowds. Instead, true disciples followed him and sought him for who he is, God, the Messiah, and the true importance of his teaching. So Jesus tests the disciples with this question. Even in the worst of circumstances, with the rejection of the world, would they remain disciples? What about you? Will you continue to be a disciple of Christ against all odds, against the criticism and stigma? Will you continue to be the disciple even if there is a rejection and persecution which is promised? Listen to the next episode this Friday. I will be continuing with the theology of this passage, and it is deep, you guys. So please stay tuned. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at deepbiblestudies.com and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.